God's your friend. Are you his? Today we're in Matthew 7, excuse me, verses uh, 1 through 12. You can find that on page 965 in your pew Bible. Kids, uh, K through 5th grade, you're released to go with Miss Beckett at Children's Church. If you'll turn there, we're looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. All right. So Jesus says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged, for you will be judged by the same standards with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs, or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn, and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do the same for them also. For this is the law and the prophets." Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would inhabit my words, Lord. Let all the words that come out of my mouth be from you and not from me, and let you be glorified. Lord, prepare our hearts for this word. Lord, help us to love people the way that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. So this section of the Bible is jam-packed with sermon possibilities, but here's what God shared with me. God gave us the best gift ever one that we didn't ask for, and one that we surely didn't deserve, which was Jesus. Why did he do that? We can go all the way back to Genesis, and God created the world in six days, and then he created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were able to walk and talk with God in the garden. Why did he create Adam and Eve? I believe it's because he desires an intimate relationship with us. And so... He could have created animals to talk, but he didn't. He created us in his image and gave us the intelligence to be able to have that intimate relationship with him. As sin entered the picture and we were separated from God, God was angry with the Israelites sometimes. It says in Genesis that when, uh, when God surveyed the world, our wickedness was so widespread that he decided to destroy it. Fortunately for us, he found favor with Noah. Moses and the Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years and didn't get into the promised land because of their transgressions against God. And finally, the Israelites continued to fall away and continued to fall away from God, and God allowed the Babylonians to, to take them into captivity because he was angry with them. But God also had relationships with people throughout the Old Testament. We can look at David, Abraham, and Moses to see his relationships. 
um, God talked to them, but he couldn't walk with them because he was separated from them by sin. Uh, Moses had to hide his face in the cleft of a rock when God passed by because if he looked at God's face, it would have killed him. And God spent a lot of time talking to Moses. So they were close. God described, if you, if you read through Exodus, which we're doing a Bible study for the staff right now through there, and if you read through there, God describes in detail the tabernacle, the festivals, the law, and the sacrifices. So you know that God spent a lot of time. There's so much detail in that that you know God spent a lot of time talking to Moses. But Moses' conversations weren't one-sided with God. He was able to share his fears and concerns with God. In uh, Exodus chapter 3, Moses asks, Who am I that, I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He also asks, If the Israelites ask, What is his name? What should I say? And in chapter 4, Moses asks, What if they won't believe me and they will not obey me, but they say, The Lord did not appear to you? And finally, the one that we all know about is, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. Now, Moses is sharing his fears and doubts with the Lord because they have that kind of relationship. Who do you share your doubts and fears with? A close friend, a relative, your spouse? You only share those things with people that you trust because you have confidence that they will keep them to themselves. Have you ever shared something confidential with a person that was a stranger or maybe just an acquaintance? And it, it doesn't turn out well. I know I've done that before, and it just doesn't work because we don't have that relationship with him. In Genesis 18, Abraham is talking to God, and they had a close relationship. And God is telling Abraham that Sodom and Gomorrah have been so overcome with sin that he's going to destroy these cities. But because of their relationship... Abraham is able to talk God into saving Sodom and Gomorrah if they can only find 50 righteous people, which is crazy to think about. But, Moses, or, but Abraham continues on. He goes and he continues to bargain with God and gets that down to 10 righteous people. Can you imagine that you could be so close to God that you could change his mind? But Abraham did because of that intimate relationship. Now, Susan and I, are close. We've been married for almost 30 years, and we dated for a year and a half before that. We've spent a lot of time together, and we talk all the time, and she knows more about me than anybody else because she's my best friend. She knows that I love blueberries and that I am not a fan of sauerkraut. How does she know that? Because we've spent a lot of time together, and she likes sauerkraut, so <clears throat> she knows that I don't care for it. But we talk often, how close would Susan and I be if we never talked to each other? Or if we only talked when I needed something from her? And I feel like sometimes our relationship with God is like that, where we only pray when we need something from God. God, help me out of this situation that I got myself into. Or God, I'm going through this struggle. Help me. But he wants a deeper relationship with us. An intimate relationship is what God desired with Adam and Eve and how they lived before the fall. Does he need that relationship with us? No, but he desires it. Does the world need a relationship with him? Yes, desperately. I had someone ask me recently 
If God created us and he knows us, then why do we need to pray? He does know our hearts and our thoughts, and he knows every hair on our head before we're even born. And so that means he knows some of you better than he knows me. (laughs) Poor joke there. Um, Anyway, so... um, So he does know, he knows our thoughts, but he desires relationship with us, and relationships require us to have have a part in that. We can't, relationships don't work one way. They have to be two ways. Susan asks me every day when I come home from work to tell her about my day. And some days, there's not a lot to tell. You know, she does, does she care about the accounts that I balanced or the vendors that I had to talk to with a question? Probably not, but she cares about me and she wants to know about my day. And it helps her to get to know me better when, when I tell her what's going on. And, you know, if I responded, oh, you know, it's the same old, same old, same thing, different day, which is how my kids responded to us every day in junior high and high school when we asked how their day was, which I understand. But, but that really, if I answered that way to Susan, that would really communicate to her that, that the conversation wasn't important to me because I didn't care about her. Um, if, if I know God wants us to be in a deeper relationship with him. And so how do you pray for that? Well, we just need to ask him for that deeper relationship. God, I desire to be closer to you. Draw me deeper to you. Help me to learn more about who you are and, and draw me into your presence. In these prayers, we can include all the blessings that we have in our life. And God has blessed us with so many different things. And a lot of them we don't even give second thoughts to. When was the last time you asked God or you thanked God for waking up this morning or for your family or for the beauty around us? Um, And how many of us thanked God that Hurricane Ian passed us by? We get so busy that we don't even acknowledge the big blessings, let alone the little blessings. And I am guilty of that. And I'm telling, I'm confessing that from the pulpit. Um, Take time to celebrate and thank God when things are going well. God doesn't want to just hear from us when things are, when, when we're scared or when we're going through hard times. He wants us to celebrate with him. He wants us to share the blessings that he's given us. He wants a 24-7 relationship with us. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5-7 that we are to pray without ceasing. We need to continually go to him. So we need to pray over our fears, our concerns, our dreams. God knows our struggles, but he loves it when we share those struggles with him. In today's scripture, Jesus tells us to ask and keep asking, to seek until we find, and to knock until the door is open. So we need to keep going in our prayers until we get an answer. I think about how often I lift up something one time in prayer, and then I forget to lift it up again. Now, does that mean that God doesn't hear our prayers if we don't pray for something more than once? No. But when I pray over and over, it lets God know that that's on my heart and that's, that's important to me. And it helps him to get to know me better. And it, even though he knows me completely, but prayer lists are nice because they remind us of that over and over. Now, one of the things that Susan and I do, and, and I'm not sharing this to brag, but we fast on occasion. And let me tell you, if, if you can tell, I don't miss many meals. So skipping, not eating for three or four days is a hard thing. But one of the things that I've 
figured out during fasting is every time there's a hunger pain or my stomach growls, which starts to happen really early, um, and often the longer we go, then I go to the Lord in prayer and I ask him, Lord, you are my provision. You're my daily bread. Help fill me up as I draw closer to you. And you know, it's really not as hard as you would think it is once you start, uh, you start in that mindset. But I'll tell you, I'm really good about praying like that often when I'm fasting, but I need to work on praying like that when I'm not fasting because I forget. I just get busy. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the story of little Ralphie in a Christmas story. Now, I'm sure most of you have seen this movie. Um, it's on at Christmas time every year. And little Ralphie, he desires nothing more in the world than to get a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. He writes essays about it. He dreams about it. He sits on Santa's lap and tells him. He writes a letter to Santa and tells him. And he drops multiple not-so-subtle hints to his folks. So by the end of the movie, there's no doubt what Ralphie wants for Christmas. And I wonder if we prayed like that, where there was no doubt, even though God knows us, if there was no doubt that we are, we are concerned or we're lifting something up, if that wouldn't draw us closer to God. I think God wants to know every time we're scared of something or we're fearful or something's concerned us. Just think about it when you're praying for a sick friend. You know, a lot of times, like I said, I pray once and forget. And when we're praying at night together, Susan and I, I you know, I, I'll draw a blank. Having that list helps, but I think God wants to, to share with him over and over again about the things that we're sad, with, uh, sad about, struggling with, or the things that we're happy about. It builds relationship with him. Now, God loves our prayer, and he wants us to pray without ceasing, but another way that we can draw closer to him is through worship. And when I say worship, most of us think, oh, well, that's singing, which thank you, choir, for leading us in beautiful music today. And it is. Worship is singing, but it also includes tithing, serving, fasting, and anything that brings praise to the Lord. Another way to draw closer to the Lord is studying about his character in the Bible. Now, I know that's the pastor answer is to read the Bible, but it's true. As we read the Bible and we study it, we get to know more about the different facets of God's character, and that draws us closer to him. Just like Susan knows a lot about me, if we study the Lord, we get to know more about him, and he continues to make revelations to us through the words that we, we read and we study. And then another way that we don't think about very often to worship is to listen for God. As I said, Moses and Abraham heard from the Lord. The disciples heard from the Lord. And obviously, Jesus spent a lot of time talking to the Lord. We have access to listen to the Lord, but when was the last time you ever asked God to speak to you? I know it's hard because once you ask, then you've got to sit still and listen. And that's the hard part. I am so easily distracted with my cell phone, with just stuff going on, a phone call, whatever it is. It's not easy to sit still and listen. But the Bible tells us that sometimes God speaks in a still, soft voice. And so we have to be still and listen to be able to hear him sometimes. Why does God want relationship with us? We're facets 
of formed, uh, we're facets of God formed in his creation. And we're a different reflection of God, each and every one of us, just like our children are different reflections of us. And God loves seeing himself in us. So as our scripture continues, uh, Jesus says, Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I love the fact that he includes the word ask at the end of that. Because we just talked about ask, seek, and knock. We have to ask for those things. If your biological father gives good gifts, how much better will God do when we ask him? Does that mean that we'll all get Porsches if we ask for one? No. He's our provider, and he meets our needs. So probably a better prayer is, hey, Lord, help me to have reliable transportation. Give me a car that runs so I can get to work. Um, I believe that God wants that relationship with us, and he's interested in our dreams, fears, and concerns. However, I would tell you, as I said earlier, God's already given us the best gift ever. He gave us Jesus, and Jesus was the ultimate and final sacrifice for our sins. It, he tore the veil of sin that kept us separated from God. <clears throat> and he also gave us the Holy Spirit. But if he gave us nothing else, if God gave us nothing else for the rest of our lives, we would be blessed beyond measure just to have that sacrifice. But Jesus tells us how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask. Now, I know that there's probably some of you out here are going, well, you started talking about friends, and now you're talking about father-son relationships. Well, that's true. But as, as my children have grown up and are in their 20s now, my relationship with my children have changed. When they were babies, they needed cared for. They couldn't do anything for themselves. And as they got older, they could still do a few things for themselves, but they still needed correction to be taught different things and, and just protected from the world. Now that they're in their 20s, Luke can whip me pretty easily. He could when he was in high school. So I try not to make him mad, but <laughs> I still have to correct him sometimes. But now, instead of correcting him all the time, now it's advice. I give him advice. I am still his dad and will always be his dad and will always be there when he needs me. But, but my boys don't need me to correct them most of the time. They need, that, they need a mentor relationship, a friend relationship. And I think that's what God is looking for with us as we grow in maturity with him. In Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, the author says, Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. So in, in Hebrews, he's talking about growing, that we start out as spiritual babies, where all we can take in is milk. And if you think about when your kids were little, that's all they could, they, they couldn't chew a steak when they were born. All they could do is drink milk. But as they grew and as they learned 
how to swallow and not choke on those things, then we could introduce soft foods. And then we introduced, you know, a little more challenging foods. And finally, they could eat whatever. God wants us to grow in that way in our relationship with him so that we can go from just the pure basics of spiritual milk to the real meat and get to know him better. And as we develop that relationship with him, that's what happens to us. We come from that child relationship to an adult, more mature relationship with him. I love that last part um, that we read from, uh, from uh, the verses today about how the Father in heaven will give you much more to those who ask. But I wonder, do we really believe that? Have you ever prayed for someone to be healed, but you don't really think that God's going to do it? Or, and I've been guilty of this myself, have you ever said, whatever your will is, Lord? Which isn't a wrong prayer to pray, but it almost makes it sound like, well, okay, I'm praying for this person to be healed, but, you know, God, you know, if you choose not to do that, that's okay. Which is fine to pray. But are our prayers limited by how detached or ineffective we make God? We believe that God created everything in six days. But healing someone with late stage four cancer, is, it's probably too much for him. Or he's too busy to do that. We live in this natural world, this fleshy world. God dwells in the supernatural. That's, what, that's who he is. That's what he is. That's where he lives. So my question is, do you ask God and believe that he can do supernatural things? In John 14, 12, Jesus tells us, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than me because I'm going to the Father. Now, Jesus turned water into wine. He healed the sick, the lame, and the blind. And he even raised the dead. Have you ever prayed someone's sight back? or healed the sick, or raised the dead. I've prayed for those things, but I don't know that I've necessarily seen those things come to happen. I've, I've seen people that had back pain that I prayed for that said their back was feeling better, which is great. But those are supernatural things. Now hear me say our prayers don't go unanswered because we don't have enough faith, or we don't pray big enough prayers. But I do think that we tend not to ask because we try to fit God into the natural world that we live in and not the supernatural world that he lives in. Jesus told us in these verses today to ask and keep asking. Are you asking once and do you keep asking? Now, God is our friend. Are you his? Or maybe a better way to ask is, is your relationship with God one-sided? If so, how can you grow closer to him? Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the garden before the fall. Moses had conversations with the Lord. He shared his, current, his concerns and his fears with him. They were taught that sin of man separated Moses from God. Abraham was able to change God's mind by talking to him because of their relationship. With the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins, he removed the veil of sin that separated from us, us from God. So we have more access to God than Abraham and Moses, which is crazy to think about. Jesus also sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us so that he would have 
so that we would have God inside us and give us the ability to develop a friendship with him. So what does it look like to be God's friend? Well, you need to spend time with him. Maybe an hour on Sunday isn't enough. We need to have frequent conversations with God. We need to spend time studying the different facets of God and learning more about who he is so we can draw closer to him. We need to spend more time worshiping him. It's as easy to have a relationship with God as deliberately spending time with him. Amen?